Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Creatives with Matt James. Uh, today, I'm delighted to welcome my very own father, Roger Patterson, who's going to talk to us today about his life in music. So welcome, Dad. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for, for coming it. along. Yeah, thanks for letting me come. I'm oh, looking, no, looking forward to it. Oh, good stuff. Good to have yeah. you here. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's start at the beginning then, Dad, in terms of your early years uh, getting into music. Can you remember when you first sort of became interested in music? Yeah, I think it was probably 1958, 1959, when I was sort of seven or eight years old. And I remember having on my bedroom wall a newspaper article about Elvis going into the army. Mm. Now, this must have been a, I mean, he obviously went into the army in 1958. So this was maybe an old newspaper that we had, I don't know. And I, I remember seeing that and, and I remember the headline because it said, um, is Elvis's career in danger or something like that because he was going into the into the army. So that was my first sort of introduction to music and can't remember when I first heard an Elvis song but I remember <clears throat> getting an Elvis LP for Christmas probably 1960, 59, 60 and I think the first one I got was Elvis's Golden Records Volume 1 which I still have. But the one that, that had the main impression on me was one called Elvis for LP Fans Only that uh, had a, a track on it called Mystery Train that had been recorded in the Sun Studios probably in 1954-55. And that, to me, that was just sounded like magic. Right. And it's a song that's been covered by loads of people since, but nobody's ever managed to capture that that. that. Uh, sound that Elvis had on that first recording. So right. that that really was my first introduction to music, I think. Yeah. Okay, right, yeah, so very much El Elvis then, right from right the start. Right at the start, yeah. Right. Yeah, right at the beginning, yeah. And yeah, you're right, Mr. Train is a great track, actually, in the way it sort of just drives along with that, yeah. that chugging rhythm. Yeah, and the guitar, and just, it all comes together and it just works. Yeah. 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 Were, were Grandma and Grandpa ever into music? No, not really. I think... Uh, my dad had had piano lessons as a youngster, right? Okay, uh, and got to a reasonably good standard, I think. But then I think he'd given it up when it was when he was older. And in those days, when my parents were younger, it was sort of quite normal for for old parents to to give their children piano lessons, whether they wanted them or not. You right. see. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, my dad had, a, had known a bit about music. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. But he didn't, he never played the piano when when I. Knew, knew of it, you know, it was when he was a lot younger. Right. Yeah, yeah. So when did you first start getting into thinking, all right, I, I want to play the guitar? I think possibly first with Elvis, because when, with pictures of Elvis, he, all, he was always holding a guitar. Right, yeah. And that seemed like a good thing to me. And then, of course, I, um, I lived next door to the post office, and that was, there was a lad there called Graham, Graham Harvey, who you knew, of course, yeah, who was a few yeah. years older than me. And he, he had an electric guitar, and I, I used to hear him sometimes practising because he was in an outbuilding. And this would be probably 60, 61, and he was trying to play Apache by the Shadows. Okay. And so I remember going around one day, and he actually showed me the first two or three notes of Apache. Right. Not, not the introduction, because he, he, he didn't know how to do that, <laughs> but he knew the first two or three notes of the of the tune you sang. Oh, and that was my first uh, 
interesting actually playing electric guitar. I thought, yeah, this is great, you know, and uh, and uh, but I didn't have, of course, didn't have a guitar at that time. And then of course the Shadows had come along in nineteen sixty, and once I heard the Shadows, I thought, yeah, I want to do that as well. Right, right. yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, so Graham was really the f- unresponsible, I suppose, for introducing you to yeah. learning the guitar. Yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah. And then I didn't have a guitar of my own until I was about fourteen. I got one, a second-hand one from Bulmer's uh, second-hand shop in York, mm-hmm. you know, which was at the bottom of Lord Mayor's Walk, mm-hmm. which, which only closed down a few years ago. Yeah. That's where everybody went in the 60s and onwards to buy guitars and things. Mm-hmm. And I had this really cheap guitar that wasn't very good, and I didn't get on with it very well because it, it just wasn't in very good condition. And so I didn't really do very much uh, for a year or so. Uh, and then... Uh, somehow must have acquired a classical guitar uh, and started going to a classical guitar uh, night class in York mm-hmm. uh, in down Marygate at the Adult Education Centre, which was on a Wednesday night. And that happened to coincide with a writing class that my mother went to on a Wednesday night. Oh, right. So, of course, uh, that be when I was about 16. I couldn't drive, of course, so, you know, I used to go with her. And that was... Um, run by a chap called Hector Watts, who lived at Hunmanby from uh, near, near Filey. But that was all classical music, so that's sort of where I got going with learning to read music, you see, right, because okay. there was no, no guitar tabs or anything, it was all just classical music. Right. And that was my first introduction to finger-picking, okay, yeah. uh, which which was a good grounding, actually, for later doing playing folk music and stuff like right. that. Was going, And I went to these classes for quite a while, actually, quite quite a... Maybe a year or maybe more, maybe more than a year, you know. So that was be very useful in my early development of playing, okay. without a doubt. And were you practising a lot at this point as well? Oh, yeah, I was practising all the time. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I'd left school at 15, and so I was working on on the farm, so I was practising every day, every day, most days, you know, okay. and, and, and in the evening, stuff like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 How were, how were grandma and grandpa with that? Were they sort of quite encouraging or was it just something they didn't really understand? Or? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say they were particularly encouraged. They, weren't, they didn't discourage me, right. but but they didn't really get it, you know. Okay, no, yeah. no. So, but anyway, that didn't matter, you know. It was a generation thing then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so um, who else were you listening to at that point? Because presumably, I mean, Elvis was clearly the big influence, but yeah. there must have been others as well. Well, I was listening to... Shadows. I'd, by then, I'd, we'd got a record player because uh, with my brother being four years older than me, he'd he'd got a record player probably when he was twelve or thirteen, and so I managed to get hold of a few records. Uh, I remember buying. It was all about singles in those days. Mm. Not many people bought LPs because everybody just had a damn set record player. I remember getting Good Luck Charm by Elvis, mm-hmm. and I think I've got a patchy by the shadows of the single uh, but you didn't have many LPs uh, and in those days you, if you went into York we used to go to Smith's go downstairs and they had like listening booths where you could listen to a record you see before you bought it right, okay. <laughs> and that, so we used, I used to do that sometimes I'd be on a, going into York on, a, on the bus you know uh, and so I was listening not to mainly not to that much else because it wasn't much else to listen to, to be honest, mm-hmm. because there wasn't much on the radio. This was before Radio 1 had started, of course. Right. So 
and there's there's nothing much on the TV, you know. So it was basically Elvis, Cliff and the Shadows, and mm. and of course the Beatles, they they came along in 1963 or so. So. So I, I didn't have access to that much music to listen to, to be honest. Okay, no, right. no, not at that time. Were there any sort of guitar influences that were helping to guide you at that point? I suppose Scotty Moore, right, and yeah. Hank, of course, right, yeah, okay. But what Scotty Moore did just seemed so complicated to what you know to me yeah. that I, even though I thought it was great, so there was no way I could play it. Yeah. But at least with with a lot of the Shadows stuff, you could actually. You know, you could get going with it a bit, mm. you know, because some of the songs, some of the tunes are quite quite easy to play, yeah, relatively easy. Yeah, it? true, so, yeah. Yeah, and of course, once I started going to the classical classes, I was sort of learning to play a few classical tunes as well, you see, as, as alongside reading, reading the music, so, right. which was quite useful, yeah. Was there anyone around you, any of your peers that you knew that were also playing, obviously, as Graham Harvey, did you... Perform much with him, or go around to his house and not initially. Tunes. I got together with him and his then wife Rita when I was about seventeen or eighteen, uh, because they had a little group, and I sort of joined joined them a bit. But previous to that, I'd answered an advert in the Evening Press for some young lads who were forming a group in York, and so mm. I, I answered, went to that, and I was with them for a while, and we used to practice in Micklegate downstairs in a cellar. I think it was some sort of youth club. I used to go on a Sunday morning, actually. Right. By this by this time, I had a scooter. Okay, nice. So I used to go on the scooter with a guitar on my back. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Can't do that uh, we never really did anything much, but it was quite useful because there was another guitar player who was quite a bit better than me, so I was sort of inspired to, to become a better player. Right, okay. And then, then when that fizzled out, I think that's when I joined Graham and Rita for a while and we, we got a few songs together and played one or two I remember playing at the United Service Club in, in Poplet and, oh, right, okay. like, and we got this lad on the drums you know okay. and of course as you know Graham is someone I've carried on playing music with you know for a long well till he died really. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so and when in terms I suppose of like guitars that you bought did you always buy them or were any of them gifts most of the ones I bought early on were bought for me. Right. Um, uh, certainly from Bulmers. <laughs> but the first really nice guitar I got was actually a Rickenbacker, short scale Rickenbacker that that uh, my dad bought for me, and that was that was but we bought that in um, from Gotham Davy when Gotham Davy were in New York, and mm-hmm. that would be sort of late sixties. I remember. And take him into the shop to buy it. This short scale Rickenback. It was the same type that John Lennon used to play. Okay. So that was the first sort of good guitar I had. Unfortunately, I sold it a few years later, okay. which was a great shame uh, because I mean it's uh, worth a lot of money now. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So that was the first good guitar I got, and then I think the next probably one I got was a Fender Telecaster that I bought second hand. And about 1971, I had to go down <coughs> to Mansfield. There's a guitar shop in Mansfield that sold second-hand American guitars. And I remember going to buy that. That I paid £150 for that, <laughs> yeah, in 1971, which okay. was a lot of money in 1971. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd got, I'd, I'd got into folk music as well because... Um, 
at that time, late 60s, 69, 70, Steve, my brother, he went to live in Canada for, for six months right. and to work. And when he came back, he brought with him some LPs of uh, Gordon Lightfoot mm-hmm. and Ian and Sylvia. Right, yeah. And never heard of these people in England, you see, mm-hmm. in, in the early 70s, at least I hadn't. And I thought these 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 records were brilliant, you know, especially Gordon Lightfoot. So that got me on the on the track of doing some fingerstyle guitar, which I adapted quite easily from the classical style, you see, because it's really very similar, same thing. So that's when I got into the folk music thing. And then I joined up with um, Richard Sefnew, later on ran Pollen Studios, and Bishop Wilton, he put an advert in the paper, wanting some musicians to form a folk group. So I applied and me and him got together and then we got a couple of other people and in those days, we used to do a lot of our own home recordings with two tape recorders. Okay. You know, we would record a bit on one tape recorder, plug that into the other one, and then early days of multi-tracking, you see, oh, then yeah. recorded what we'd recorded and played some more onto onto the other tape recorder. <laughs> and it, but it worked. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah, and we did some quite, not bad recordings, really. And, and the lad who uh, was the singer was John Bird, I think, who you know is... Oh, Henry Bird's dad. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And he'd written some songs. And I think Richard sent one of these demo tapes to the BBC and they invited us to go on to a TV programme right. in, in around 1972, uh, BBC One, and where we played a couple of songs and uh, we went to Leeds to record it. Went, <clears throat> went one Friday evening to record the music. And then the next day we went back and the film does mime into the music. Okay. Yeah, and that was broadcast on BBC One. There is a video of it, a very, not very good quality one, that uh, Richard's brother took on a cynic film off the TV because in those days nobody had video cameras, of course. Mm. It didn't exist for, for ordinary people. So that was my sort of intro- introduction to folk music and... and uh, Fingerstyle playing a bit, you say. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Was there ever a period, I suppose, during that time, particularly those formative years, where you thought, I want to do this as a career? Or was that something that never really sort of interested you? No, not really. Mm. No, I never thought of it as wanting to do it for a living because uh, I've always sort of liked to do it as, as, a, as a hobby, really. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um, I think it's more fun if you do it for a hobby because there's no pressure on you then. Yeah, true. Yeah, you can do what you what you want. And was songwriting something that you've never been particularly interested in? No, I don't think I have a talent for songwriting. And things there's so many good songs to play. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. They're already there, so yeah. I thought why why bother? You know, I can uh, I'll play the songs that I really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So so no, I'm not. I've never. I don't think I've got that sort of talent to write a song. So with your first band, I mean, you mentioned sort of Graham. What, what would you say was like the first sort of proper band you were in? I think probably with Graham. Okay. Yeah, we did actually perform. Okay. Well. And then later on, I was in a, a band still with Graham and Tony Smith. Mm-hmm. And I uh, don't think Rita was in that. And we had a band called The Resistance. That the was, Resistance. And that would have been the early 70s. Okay. What were you resisting? <laughs> And we we played quite a bit. We used to play at dances in Park okay, and in nice. the village hall. And I remember we played once. We went to Malton somewhere to play in Scarborough. So we played about a bit, and in some of the working men's clubs. Okay, yeah. Uh, and that 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 was okay. It kept going. 
going for quite a while, actually. And we used to practice in the village hall in Bamber. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it changed much since then? No. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to say. Right, excellent. So, I mean, yeah, how did you know Tony? Did you know him through Graham, or was he just a... A village lad that you no, he lived in he lived in Newton on Derwent, did Tony. Okay. I'm not quite sure how, how how we came to be together. Actually, I uh, can't remember when I first met Tony. Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. How we came obviously through music, but I'm not quite sure how it happened. Right, okay, no, yeah. no, Graham maybe knew him. I don't right, because you weren't at school with him, were you? No, right. no, no. He might have been. I don't know if he went to Walgate. He lived in Newton on Derwent, but if he did. I, I don't remember him from, mm-hmm. from Walgate, no. no. So that leads me to something I want to ask you, actually, just yeah. about, you mentioned played at working men's clubs, mm-hmm. like, just the experience, I suppose, compared to, I suppose, say, now of, of gigging and playing in that sort of environment in the 70s and early 80s mm-hmm. com- compared to now, do you feel like it's it's changed dramatically? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. it was a real yeah, education mm-hmm. in the 70s, uh, because, as you know, I joined a, a group in Hull in about 1975 uh, called... Madison Square, mm. uh, and we played in all the <coughs> all the working men's clubs in Hull, Leeds, Sheffield, and, and about. And it was a real real education was that because uh, you you soon knew about it in a working men's club if you were any good, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you soon found out. Okay, right, yeah, they, don't, they don't take any prisoners. Is that sure? No, yeah, they don't pull up like. <laughs> You know, politely, if you if you rubbish. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it was a yeah, it was a good education in in performing. You know, definitely. But and of course, the, the lots of those clubs have gone now. These mm-hmm. big clubs in places like Sheffield and Hull, they don't exist anymore. And I mean, in Hull, a lot of industries they had their own social club. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember the first one I played at with the Madison Square. I think nineteen seventy five. That was. A, Place called the Ideal Standard, and I think that was a company. And they they had their own social club. Okay, right. Yeah, and we used to play. We were playing every every weekend, three nights a week. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Oh, actually, oh, yeah, a lot. Yeah. So I mean, you say you're interested professionally, but that kind of is really. Yeah, I mean, you're I mean, still I was, making some money. Oh yeah, I was in those uh, those time nine seventy five. I was making about fifty pounds a week out of the group. Oh, right. Yeah, huh? which was a considerable amount. Yeah, nine seventy five. Uh, 75 and that of course that was the year I met your mum right okay and of course with her being a singer then we uh, you know we used to do a bit of folk stuff together and we went to Holland by this time Richard Sefton had got Poland Studios on the go mm-hmm. and I remember going there quite a bit actually to play for other people as well right okay and me and your mum went there and did, recorded a few songs and stuff like that and yes. so we got our folk duo thing going as well oh right yeah brilliant and then after after Madison Square, I left that after a while. I found it too, bit too, too much to be honest. And they wanted to go professional, and I, I didn't. So, so I left that. And then I entered another advert in the press for a bass guitar player for a folk group. Okay. Even though I, I had played the bass a bit with Prussian Blue, the first folk group. I, I didn't consider myself a bass player. Anyway, I answered this advert, and that was. Mark Benson, you know, from mm. Line Lemon Clegg. Yeah. And so I went round sort of for an audition. I took my bass guitar. And at that time, I had a, quite a nice Fender bassman amplifier. And I took that. And I think they were they were more impressed by the equipment <laughs> right. than my playing. Okay, yeah. 
<laughs> so so they, they took me on. And that was a good group, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah, Blind Lemon Clegg. We used to play in York and all over. We used to play at the Barge and we used to go to Weatherby and all sorts of places. And we went, played in Scarborough, I think, once or twice. I think we entered a talent competition in Scarborough. Okay. And, and then we made a, uh, an EP at Pullman Studios. You've probably seen it. It's called Run Fear. For your money, I've still got copies. Oh, right, so yeah. where you're all, uh, yeah, all running, running in Birmingham yeah. Gardens, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, that that was good. That was later on. That's sort of round about 1980. We made that, and that that was good fun playing the bass in that group. Though it was a good group, and then that sort of fizzled out. One of them, one of them left, and it just it just sort of fizzled out. Yeah. You know, as, as things, as do. things do. Yeah, 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 just yeah. Fair enough. that's right. So, uh, and then after that. 1984 was when I joined Ryan the Zeros, playing the playing the bass in Ryan the Zeros initially, right. and that happened purely by coincidence. That at that time, um, someone had come to live in Barnby uh, on an exchange from Australia. This chap with his young wife and a young child, who was about the same age to Lara, and they lived sort of on what uh, Brookside Close. Mm. They rented a house there, and we got. <clears throat> got to know them because child of similar age and this chap wanted to do he was um he was teaching at public junior school and he want he, he wanted to record some he was quite into music he wanted to record a song with the kids you see and i said, I said oh well you go to palm studios you see and do it there and so anyway he asked me to come and to play on it you see but i think i played the bass and then after that there were they were decided to play it at a school co- at a junior school concert, right. and he asked me to come and play in, in what sort of like the band that they had. And in the audience was Roy Roy Freer, yeah, because his daughter was one of the people, one of the children in the uh, one of the singers. Oh, I see. And yeah. he saw me playing the bass. Anyway, a couple of days later, he came. He must have found out who I was, and he came round and uh, said, oh, he said. Um, you know, introduced himself. So I just wondered if you'd be interested in uh, uh, joining Ryan the Zeros. We want to reform Ryan the Zeros for for a, a, Lion, a Lions charity event, you see. And the, the original bass player lived down south somewhere. Okay. He wasn't available. Oh, I see. So the band had existed earlier, yeah, I think, oh, yeah, in the they'd, 60s. Right? They'd been on the go in the 60s, right. and they'd all, they'd, all, they'd all packed up sort of in the mid to late 60s. Right. And so I said, yeah, I'll do that, yeah. And so that's how it started with Ryan the Zeros. So I went to practice with them and then we played at this Lions charity event at the, that, it was a place called the Zillatal in Poplin, which oh, isn't yeah. there anymore. No. And that was a huge success. I mean, I couldn't believe the amount of people that came. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't realise they'd been quite well known in the early sixties. You said around the zeros, right, okay. and Radio York came. Okay. Yeah, and, and um, one of the Radio York presenters introduced it. Right. And then we got invited to go on, on Radio York, you know, to be interviewed, and we went a couple of times, played live on Radio York. Uh, this was in what eighty five, eighty six, and that was that was. Great, you know, uh, really enjoyed it, and that round of zeros went on for eighteen years. And I, I think, think we really. did our last show in about two thousand and two at yeah. Get's School, which you were at. Yeah, I remember that. performed. That. I did. Yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. doing uh, <coughs> uh, 
Matt Muffler song. Uh, yeah, I did some other for nothing. That's right, I did some swinging money for nothing, yeah, didn't I? But yeah, you're right, right. it was 2002. Yeah. So, and by, and that, by that time, I'd already got together again with Graham. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and Sally and, and Trevor. Trevor joined uh, once we're in the Zeros and finished. And so that, that carried on again. Right, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But all, while all this was going on, I always kept my interest in folk music mm. and and playing a bit of classical music going at the same time, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I always wanted to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so yeah, um, obviously we'll go back to getting together with Graham and Tony again. Less, but before then, um, also I remember growing up, you like being very active in teaching guitar adult education classes, but it wasn't really something I ever thought about when no, I was young. Yeah, but yeah. How, how did how did you go about getting that gig? Well, that, again, it was fairly quite a coincidence. My mother and dad had some friends that lived in Market Wheaton. Um, the lady was a German lady. I can't remember her name for the life of me. Anyway, they used to come round to uh, my mother and dad's place sometimes. Uh, this would be, what, round about 2000, um, 1980, 81. I think it was, I think it was before Fall Arrow was born. And the woman was quite interested in folk music. And so I remember she asked once when they were there if me and your mum would play a song for them, which we did. I played the, you know, I did maybe Streets of London or something like that. Anyway, she, after that, she'd approached the adult education in Market Wheaton because there was no no guitar classes at that time. She'd approached the chap who ran the adult education in Market Wheaton about starting a class and suggested me to, to run it, to do it, you see. And so I remember this chap rang me up one day and said, oh, I said, yeah, if, um, would you be interested in teaching a class at adult education, you see? And so I said, yeah, 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 would, yeah. And so that's how that started. And initially I started at Market Wheaton. And then after I'd been at Market Wheaton for a while, Steve Whittle, who ran it at Hockleton, he must have found out a bit and he said oh you know do you want to do one at Pock as well I remember going on a course not not to do with music but just to get a few ideas about how to be in a class situation you mm-hmm. know about how to deal with people and right stuff yeah like that's that. yeah, a good idea yeah and so I started doing one at Pock as well and initially I had I've had two I had one at Market Wheaton and one at Pock and that's when all my sort of Finger picking, bit of classical skills came into four because mm-hmm. uh, even though it, it wasn't about learning to read music, it was about people who wanted to come and learn a few songs, you know. But yeah, it was very useful to have a bit of music theory as well, and so it was like acoustic, you know. It was, it was and it was very it proved to be very successful. Mm-hmm. You know, I had lots of people come through it of all sorts of ages. You know, you used to get a few youngsters and a few. Mm-hmm. Older people as well have maybe had a guitar for a long time but never done anything with it. Right, yeah. And and I did that for twenty years. I did it from nineteen eighty two to two thousand and two. Right, yeah. And of course you used to come as well. I did, yeah, yeah. I remember coming yeah. for a bit, yeah, and yeah. learning a bit. And you're right about the different array of people. Yeah. And I got the thing a lot there are some people though who seem to enjoy it just as a bit of a social thing yeah, as well. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And every time every term, the beginning of term, <clears throat> I used to ask people to write down Five song, five songs that they sort of maybe inspired them to want to learn to play the guitar. You see, mm. and uh, without fail, 
two two songs that always cropped up every time. One of them was Stairway to Heaven, yeah, and the other one was House of the Rising Sun. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. God, how funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, you couldn't get more cliche songs if you no, tried no, to really yeah. cutty, but yeah, so, um, obviously they were... I enjoyed, I enjoyed doing that, and, and it gave me... It increased my repertoire of music, you see, as well, because I was all the time, you know, getting songs, compiling stuff for people to, to learn to play and people suggesting. So that's how I came to have a, a vast sort of catalogue of songs and stuff like that through doing the classes. And at the same time, I was doing the odd private tuition as well for not many people, just one or two, you know. Mm-hmm. So, But the, the classes were, were good because it... You know, I compiled a lot of stuff, and once the inter- once I got a computer and a printer, and I could print stuff out. You know, mm. in nineteen eighty five, and then, you know, once the internet came and got access to more stuff, so uh, so it must be quite unusual in eighty five to have a computer and a printer. <clears throat> yeah, well, before that, when I first started doing the classes, I used to produce copies for everybody. But I used to have one of these old banding machines that, okay, yeah. that worked on a carbon copy. Uh, right. And of course, uh, you know, when I type them out on a typewriter, you know, of course, if you made a mistake, you had to start again. And, right, yeah, of course. Yeah. So once once computers came out, I got um, Spectrum in uh, 1985. Well, I've got it, I've still got it, which, as you know, that long. Yeah. And I got a dot matrix printer, mm-hmm. and I've got this word processing program on a, on a cassette called TazWord. And this, this was a revelation because suddenly I could type something out. Print as many copies as I wanted. If I made a mistake, just delete it and start again. Yeah. So that was an absolute revelation. I could print print twenty copies out just like that mm, on a yeah. dot, dot matrix printer. So, <clears throat> and then after that, I, I went to go for an Atari because mm. Atari computers <coughs> were the best ones for music because they they came complete with two MIDI. Ports that so you could plug a keyboard straight in. You say to, to control it from the from the computer, and I used that for many many years. Actually, uh, did the Sound of Music yeah, soundtrack on that. Right. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So the guitar tuition stuff, yeah, was was good in a way because it helped me to get compile loads of stuff. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're still giving the odd lesson to yeah, yeah, people yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. Yeah. But thinking about gear, actually, I mean, ever since I can remember, you've always been sort of into into gear and recording. Has that always been the yeah, case? Yeah, so yeah, right from the start, I was interested in in recording. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, going back to the reel to reel tape days, you know, in the late sixties, early seventies, I had a reel to reel tape recorder, and that's something that's always fascinated me as as recording, and still does, of course. Mm. You know, and of course, as technology's improved. And the equipment's become so sophisticated now. You know, you can make all the professional sounding stuff at home with, with you know, f- relatively inexpensive equipment. You know, mm, yeah. and in the in the olden days, of course, it wasn't like that. You know, and of course, I've accumulated quite a few guitars over the years. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 And I suppose because with with gear also, it comes with sort of knowing how things should sound as well. Is that something that anyone ever sort of like showed you specifically or is that something you just think you either you either know how things should sound or, or you don't I think you develop an ear for it right as time goes on uh, initially when you start playing you don't really have a clue 
as as long as you can make it as long as you can get a sound out of it especially with electric guitar you think oh well <clears throat> you know but as you as you get better you i think your ear develops and mm. you become more discerning as to what sounds right and what doesn't sound right, right. Yeah. I, I think that that's how it works for me anyway definitely you don't i didn't know initially when i first started playing i was probably playing songs that sounded terrible you know but i thought they sounded okay but mm. you say that's quite i think that's quite normal when you yeah, guess, yeah and as you as you get better and you and you listen yeah and that's one good thing about recording as well um and recording yourself you, you hear you hear what other people hear mm, so yeah. you think mm, yeah that's that can be better and and I think uh, that's why I think it's a great thing to record yourself. Be, be your own worst critic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. And so I think you develop an ear as, as time goes on. But I will say one, one other thing about the guitar classes. When when electronic tuners came into being, I think just after I'd started doing the guitar classes in 1982, that's when the, I think the first electronic tuner came out. I've still got mine. It was a, a C-Core. And I remember someone had bought one and brought it to the class in Market Waiting and we thought, we looked at this thing and thought, this is fantastic, you know, you can tune your guitar without having to hear it, you know. And that's made a lot of difference to people playing. Yeah, definitely. And especially people who play the ukulele. uh, Because, you know, if you're new to an instrument, you haven't got an ear for tuning it. Mm. So once you can do it electronically, then it's enabled a lot of people to play in tune that... Otherwise, wouldn't have been able to. Right, yeah. yeah, but you still can't beat the old-fashioned way of using your ears as well. But, yeah, of course. But, but that you only develop that over years with practice. I think. Yeah, I think it's a good skill to have, isn't it, to be able to do it by? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think it's, as you've got older recorders, something you've you've lent more into more than performing live? Yeah, yeah, mm. I think so. Yeah, right. I think I prefer. I still don't mind going out and playing live occasionally. But I enjoy the recording process more, right. I think, because it's you're capturing something, something for posterity, and also you can be. I wouldn't say you can. You you never you don't get perfection, but you strive for perfection, yeah. and you can get it as good as it can be. Whereas playing live to me is never, never really that satisfying. I always think there's something that about it that's not quite right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so I like the. The recording process because I can hone it and get it just the way I want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it's hard work gigging as well, isn't it? As, as we know, yeah. there's all that yeah. lugging about. Yeah, that's right. And, it's, and as as you get older, I find that less uh, less interesting to be <laughs> yeah. lugging equipment about. Yeah, it. true. But yeah. I still, I I still would still quite happy to go and play live a bit. You know, yeah. Whether it be the ukulele or or the acoustic guitar with your mum, you know, in the church situation or whatever yeah. yeah yeah so but i wouldn't want to do it regularly anymore. no definitely not yeah no, no, no. and so we go back to bands actually so you mentioned getting back together with tony and graham you remember what year that was that was unexpected wasn't it that band yeah well it would be around about 2000 right, okay, yeah, yeah we'd be around about 2000 i've got that going again Ron zeros has come to an end and of course you were involved in that Quite a bit. That was then, a I remember bit. you coming with us to Bridlington. To yeah, that I remember place. that. Yeah, yeah. And then of course there was the strangers. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. With you and Lara. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and then in later times there was uh, 
It went through different yeah, things, which, yeah, was, yeah. which was good. It yeah. was, yeah, it was good yeah, for a while. Yeah. And um, the family band. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's... Uh, and the, it's been... We've had some interesting stuff and hopefully more interesting stuff to come. Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so it's uh, been, been fascinating playing music, yeah, definitely, and all the people I've met. And still have people around now, you know, just to play... <clears throat> just to play tunes, and I've joined a classical guitar... Uh, U3A group in York, right? Yeah, yes, and another acoustic one in, in that's that's at where we meet at Yapham, you know. So, obviously, you know, I play the ukulele a bit now, so, mm, yeah, so, yeah. And since I'm not working, I've more time to do it, yeah. Mm. I mean, when me and I mean, me and Lara, I think we're both relatively late to the guitar. I think I would probably be about 14. 15 when I started playing seriously. I'm not sure if Lara was a similar age. Yeah, yeah, she would be, yeah. And of yeah. course, you both started by coming to the Wednesday night That's sessions. right, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Which was a, an offshoot, offshoot of... of the guitar classes. Class, when it, I yeah. decided not to go to the guitar classes anymore, then, I, as you know, I had a few people around on a Wednesday night, and mm. that's where <coughs> both you and Lara, first Lara on the bass, mm. and then she went on to the guitar, and then you came onto the bass. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and I probably remember we used to go and play at the... Uh, Acoustic sessions at the Art Centre. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yes, of course, you had forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, so that's where both you and her got the experience of performing, first with on Wednesday night sessions and then at the acoustic sessions. But so I don't think you were that late to it. I think a lot, I think, I don't think Eric Clapton started playing until he was about 16. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so. And actually, yeah, I think about those acoustic nights, they were sort of quite, quite good grounding, but, you know, quite sort of. Oh, I'd say like slightly nerve-wracking environment as yeah, well because yeah. it was very quiet. Yeah, Everyone yeah. was just sat very yeah. politely watching. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like playing in a pub where no one's really paying attention. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. But no, they were good. Yeah, yeah, and it's good. It's always good to get an uh, experience of performing at a young age because right, yeah. it's it's harder when, when you're an adult because you 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 know your nerves kick in more. Did you always hope me and Lara would start playing the guitar? Yeah, but, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember ever... So it wasn't something that I was ever told, oh, you need to do no, this. No, 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 because you've got to want to do it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. if you don't want to do it, then there's no point. Yeah. So, but the, the music was always around you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 of course, and so, yeah. Uh, and so, now, if you try to force somebody, you're wasting your time. Yeah, you yeah want to do it. Yeah, yeah, obviously, I was pleased when you both did. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gives me a... An excuse to buy more guitars because see, I'll, I can, I'll pass them on. Well, that's true. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. 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 All right, then. So we're coming towards the end now, Dad. So I'm just going to ask you a few sort of like quick fire questions right, okay. just to finish. Yeah. So would you say you have, if you have a favourite band, who would it be? I think I'd have to say The Shadows. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Is yeah. that mainly just because of. What they yeah, represented because of at that what time. Presented to me when I was young. Right, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I mean they're great as well. I like lots of, obviously, lots of bands, but I think the, the Shadows had the most influence on me. Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Favourite guitar player? Hmm, that's a tricky one, actually. Is that? That's a tricky one, uh, too. I mean, because, uh, you know, I'd obviously mentioned um, Scotty Moore, people like Chet Atkins, Mark Knopfler, of course. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I like a lot of. Classical players, people like Julian Breams. I, I don't think I could narrow it to one person. To right, be okay. honest, no, you know, because there's so many that that that. I mean, obviously, I think Scotty Moore had the most influence on me, but right. but there's so many other great guitarists about now, so right. it'd be difficult to to just to say one. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, uh, favorite singer. 
Well, after be Elvis. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, because there again, it's Elvis started it for me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. kind of yeah. what I was expecting, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Uh, do you have a favourite guitar? <sighs> favourite guitar? Yes, I think so. I think of the favourite acoustic guitar is the Martin, the guitar that I bought uh, in 2003. Okay. Um, even though, I've, as you know, I've now got the Eric Clapton model, mm. but I think the favourite one is probably the the Martin that I got in two thousand and three, and and from electric guitar, then it has to be the Telecaster. Okay, definitely. Right, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that is a great guitar, isn't yeah. it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, best or favourite gig that you've ever played? <clears throat> I think the most memorable actually was the first time I played with Ryan the Zeros. Right. Okay. At at uh, the Zilla Town in Park because mm. of the the way it was received, mm. you know, the crowd wraps there was that place was absolutely packed and people absolutely loved it, you know, I think. And they'd come to see us, you know, that's the thing. Mm. Yeah, and I, I I think that's probably the most memorable. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah without a doubt. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. On the flip side of that, is there a worse gig if there is? <laughs> <laughs> probably quite a few actually. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't think of one. Uh, offhand, but uh, yeah, there's 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 been somewhere that I've thought things haven't gone right, or there's been mm. problems with the equipment, or the audience have had absolutely no interest in it whatsoever. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't think of one. But you tend to block things like yeah, that. True. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. But actually, you learn, you actually learn more when things go wrong. Yeah. Than when things go right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Do you have a favourite venue that you've been <clears throat> performed in? Favourite venue. Well, I mean, I've, I've actually, I've actually played in the Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was a member of a of the gospel group, yeah, course, I never yeah. mentioned that before. Did that? That was going on in the in the mid seventies. Mm. So I mean, I was part of a gospel group that played in the Albert Hall. But from other, I can't really think of it. Um, no, I can't. There's, there's, I can't think of anywhere in particular. Mm, okay. That I think is. I mean, Albert Hall's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Places go, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Do you have a favourite musician that you've performed with? Favourite musician that I've performed with? Yeah. Um, Trying to think. Um, Never performed with that. I've played. I've played support to famous people, but I've never actually performed. Oh, I mean, it doesn't have to be anyone sort of like famous, but anyone that you've that you've played with. They were actually you're like, oh, I really, they're my favourite person to perform with. Yeah, I really like performing with them. Yeah, um, I think there was a chap um, from quite a few years ago that was um, called Jefferson Johnson, who was a good guitarist. Uh, Graham knew him because, right. uh, and he lived in. Where he lived, but he came to play at a club in York, and Graham knew him, and he came and we did something with him and and <clears throat> and Graham, and he'd played initially he'd been in <laughs> Gary Glitter's backing band. Yeah, really? He'd been in the Glitter band. Oh right, wow! And he was a good, pl- he was a really good player. And I, I I quite enjoyed playing. I just played rhythm guitar with him. Okay, yeah, right. and that's going back quite a few years. Yeah. Okay, right. Well, I mean, there's been quite a few people that I've played with that uh, are good players, you mm. know. I mean, there's uh, 
Graham, you know, from the Catfish Band. Right, yeah. He's a, he's a good guitar player. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I can't think of anybody else. Okay. Unless you could think of somebody. Uh, oh, no, I suppose not. No, I suppose yeah. it's six, six, yeah. who I think of you, yeah. maybe. Like, yeah. I'd never like performing with them. Uh, no, there's been quite a few people that I probably wouldn't want to perform <laughs> with again. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough, yeah. Uh, actually, well, going back to what you sort of mentioned earlier, so have you had any brushes with... Like famous musicians, or maybe people who've gone on to be famous throughout throughout the years, that you might have supported, or even just bumped uh, into. No, I mean all the people I've supported were were well known to start okay, with. Right. Yeah, I've played support to Herman's Hermits. Right. Um, one or two others in the sixties. Yeah, there used to be a group called the Casuals that I've uh, supported. Um, <clears throat> I can't think of any. I found, but I can't think of anybody that I've played with that is unknown and gone on to be mm-hmm. gone on to be famous. Right, I can't okay. think of anybody. Famous, okay, no. right, that's no. fine. Uh, song that you wish you'd written. <laughs> song that I wish I'd written. Gosh, yeah. Let me think. Ah, there's loads. There's loads that I wish I'd written. Don't be cruel. I wish I'd written that right. simple, great song. Yeah. Lots, quite a few of those <coughs> classic Elvis songs, his latest flame. Mm, yeah. You know some of the great folk songs like Four Strong Winds. Yeah, that's great. Stuff like that. Um, yeah, that I, I wish I. Yeah, there's there's quite a lot. Just that's just naming those three. You know, but mm. there's there's probably tons that, are, that I wish I'd written. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, classic songs. Yeah. And then finally, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Doesn't necessarily have to be about music. Right. Best piece of advice I've ever received. I would probably think to uh, just to keep just to keep practicing. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Keep practicing. You know. Don't uh, and always be aware of your own ability. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, don't try and do stuff that you're not capable of. Okay. Especially it's in a performance situation. Yeah. It's okay. <coughs> so okay when you're practicing that's the time to to try out stuff you you know you maybe a bit find tricky but in a performance situation somebody said to me once don't exceed your limits and nobody will know that you have any mm, yeah. and that I think that's good advice yes yeah, 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 I agree good with advice. that yeah. yeah so that's that's one good piece of advice that I, I would recommend to anybody there's nothing worse than seeing somebody perform trying something like not really capable of doing and then just going to pee, you know, mm, yeah, falling yeah. flat. You know, it's embarrassing for them. It's embarrassing for the audience. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So always always be on top of the job if you can if you mm. can be. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good advice. Mm. Uh all right Dad, well that's that brings us to the end of our Brilliant. interview. So yeah, thanks very much for thanks, chatting yeah. to me today. Yeah, yeah, well thanks for inviting me. I've enjoyed it. Oh also. good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah excellent. I'll see you great. I'll see you soon. Yeah.